from from my experience, a lot of girls understand, you know, this is a coming of age thing. I'm going to get my period, but they don't really understand why or how it works and how everyone's body is different. And, and so there's a lot of um, self-esteem issues that arise when um, they're, you know, around their peers and not just in terms of menstruation, but puberty in general. So mm-hmm. they notice that they're developing faster than their friends or developing Welcome to Diversity Dish, where we're dishing on everything diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice related. My name is Sidrola Maruska, and we're bridging the gap between what needs to be said and what needs to be heard. Those individual experiences that are often ignored or simply dismissed. Sometimes I'm dining alone. Sometimes I'm dining with friends. And sometimes I'm dining a la carte. No matter how I'm dining, it promises to be delicious. Let's dig in. Dr. Iberi Azuma and Bria Gadsen are co-founders of the Love Your Menses organization. Love Your Menses was founded in Boston in 2019 in response to the growing menstrual wellness needs of young people. As a 501c3 nonprofit organization, their mission is to dispel myths surrounding menstruation, promote menstrual equity, and build the next generation of leaders by providing an educational, uplifting, and supportive space for Black and brown girls, women, and all people who menstruate to learn about the menstrual cycle and create innovative public health solutions. Thank you so much for coming back to Diversity Dish. I'm excited today to introduce you to my guests, Bria Gadsden and Dr. Iberi Azuma. Hi, Bria. Hi, Dr. Iberi. Hi. Hi, everyone. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Absolutely, my pleasure. We have, this is a, a little different because we have two guests today. And so we're going to make sure that we're able to hear everything that they have to say. And you'll soon realize why I brought them on the show. So before we get into the uh, meat and potatoes of our conversation, Bria, I'd love to ask you, what are you passionate about right now? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I am passionate about Black philanthropy and um, really changing uh, the landscape and how people give and and how they view um, charity. So that is what I am passionate about. Love it. What about you, Dr. Iberi? What are you passionate about? Wow, that, like Bria suggested, that's a very interesting question. We will have to borrow it because I'm going to have to use it. Um, (laughs) Like Bria says, Black philanthropy, but also I'm just passionate about life and growth and how life keeps keeps teaching us how to grow. You know what I mean? And I'm a person of faith and I'm unequivocal about it. It's just also understanding that sometimes God does not take away our fear, but helps us overcome our fear by going through it. So I'm just thinking about life, growth, philanthropy, and all of the above. Thank you. 
I love it. I love both of your answers so much. Black philanthropy and life and growth, how life kind of teaches us to grow. So I guess that that would bring me to the idea of why the two of you have partnered up for, well, you tell us what it is that you've partnered up for, whomever, uh, Bria, if you want to tell us, what is it that you two do together that is, I feel, both within what your passions are? Yes. Um, so Dr. Azuma is a board certified OBGYN. She's also a trained doula, a, a health educator, um, a motivational coach, um, life coach, and, and the list goes on. Um, and I am a health educator, um, a, a teacher, um, and you know, a wellness <laughs> professional. And um, so we decided to team up together to Create Love Your Menses, which is a nonprofit that supports girls, young women, and people who menstruate with menstrual education and access to equitable resources and mentorship, because we believe that everyone's menstrual journey is unique. Um, and there are many of us who never are given spaces to openly and unapologetically talk about our periods and our menstrual cycle. Um, you, and, and so um, we are committed to destigmatizing menstruation um, in communities of color worldwide. I love it. Do you have anything to add to that, Dr. Azuma? Well, it's hard to follow um, Bria because she's an <laughs> eloquent speaker and motivator and, and the above. But like Bria said, it, I, I believe we were divinely connected, um, Bria doesn't like to talk about herself, but she's just a great executor. She's a great visionary. She has a growth mindset. She will learn anything in order to execute. Mm -hmm. Like she is just unique. I wouldn't have partnered with anyone else mm -hmm. in the end era, but she was like my perfect partner. I'm a single woman and I pray that one day God will find me a spouse that is just perfect as Bria. Or maybe that's why I don't have a spouse because, you know, I'm gifted in this area in terms of NG partnership. So Bria is just amazing. Um, Bria, you know, brings in the physiology part of menstruation and, mm -hmm. and I bring in the part of empowerment and in terms of motivating, especially girls that looks like us. Bria and myself, we've um, witnessed prejudice, racism that hurt us. Uh, maybe traumatized us and we felt like the way to move forward the way to heal is to pass it forward and to empower people by the knowledge we bring um and like Rhea said we believe in menstrual equity and wellness and provision so we also tackle that by asking the community to join us as we provide free organic paths to those that are mostly in need um and i'm sure you're going to ask us how covid affected us and we will talk about how our menstrual period distribution started yeah thank you that is that is so amazing and i think it's so wonderful the way that you big up Bria because she really didn't talk about herself that much but I think that that's really awesome that you guys have that kind of a partnership that you kind of big up each other which is um, women supporting women black women supporting black women so I love that when I think about menstruation I don't feel like that it was something that was ever really 
talked about. Like I knew I was going to get my period. My mom talked to me that, you know, my period was going to come. But I'll tell you when I really realized the depth and the width of being a woman. And that wasn't until I was trying to have my son. And I didn't have my son until I was almost 38 years old. And so I think that what you're doing is so important and so invaluable. I want to know why, like, what did you see that really motivated you to go in that direction? Because when we're talking about health, where you're being a health educator, there are so many ways that you can go, but why did you go in, in that direction? Hey, thanks for listening. My name is Cedrola Maruska, and I help entrepreneurs and small businesses go from mediocre to magnificent by transforming their cultures to be more equitable and inclusive. To find out how we can work together, go to diversitydish.com, where you'll find my consulting, coaching, and speaker information. Diversitydish.com. I look forward to working with you. Oh, well, for, for me, um, and I'm, I'm sure Barry's um, answer will be similar, um, it's from personal experience. Um, mm-hmm. So I experienced really bad menstrual cramps um, mm-hmm. every month, um, starting when I was 12 years old, and I would have to miss school um, and work because the pain was unbearable and the nausea and the mm-hmm. vomiting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so because of that, I, I just never understood why I was in so much pain, um, and never understood the root cause of the pain. And, and so, you know, many years I tried, you know, different herbal remedies to try to solve the problem, seeing many specialists. And, and finally I'm starting to feel better. Um, I've mm-hmm. incorporated um, different methods from acupuncture to seeing my gynecologist regularly to drinking herbal tea um, and, and so forth. And the more I started taking care of my menstrual health, the more I started to really embrace and appreciate it and understand what's physiologically happening in my body. Right. Um, and it also encouraged me to talk to my mom and my grandmother and my great grandmother who was still living um, and asking them about their reproductive health journeys. And I learned a lot about what they went through. And that's now, you know, informing me of what I need to do to prevent some of these things that they had to go through, such as um, getting myomectomies because they had fibroids or, you know, getting a C-section or, you know, they've also dealt with menstrual pain. And I didn't know any of this until I asked them. Um, And oftentimes in, in Black households, we do not talk about our reproductive health and and, and, you know, it's, it's generational. And, and so the more we can have those intergenerational conversations, the more we can heal inside and out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I agree with you 100%. Dr. Azuma, do you have anything to add to that? Yes, I would just um, add that um, I just went with Bria, <laughs> um, like literally. So like Bria said, she's had what we consider dysmenorrhea since the onset of her manarchy and she always she's an inquisitive mind that likes to ask questions so she began asking questions and she decided or she realized that 
that women like her, girls like her, that did not have answers. So she decided to put up this event called Love Your Menses. Mm-hmm. And when she had this event, I coming in as a volunteer gynecologist and a health educator saw that, wow, it's not just Bria that has this question. It's not just this event that this message should be passed on, but it should be a national um, um, event and a national mm-hmm. organization. So I spoke to Bria, that Bria, let's go ahead and do another one in DC. We did one in DC. We were successful. And then we decided we would make it into a nonprofit. And that's how we partnered up. But in terms of a gynecological lens, I see this because that's part of my duty to help people prevent pain or control pain or diagnose or untreat it or even manage it, as Bria said. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Love Your Menses brings that physiological um, part of it, but more importantly, we also incorporated mentorship empowerment because, yes, some girls might have dysmenorrhea, unfortunately, like Bria, but there are some girls that we use the menstrual cycle to empower them because we believe that if you are empowered, you will not be easily pushed around by people that try to mentally disempower you. Mm-hmm. So we have different facets. Again, we've broadened what we think a menstrual cycle to be. We use menstrual cycle as the cycle of life of a girl or a menstruator. So we don't just focus on the seven days of bleeding. We just have expanded it to just mean the holistic sense of a woman. Um, And then Brea touched upon the intergenerational conversation. Again, we borrowed it from her and we try in our events to have intergenerational like talk whereby um, elder people, people that experience, can share their own story. I think we're one of the few people that started using stories to encourage, and we continue to do that. And lastly, like Bria said, it's still a taboo. I, I mean, I love, love your menses because it allows me to have conversations. And sometimes the women, the people that do not like their menses are actually women. I'm not just men. Men laugh. Both yeah. some women are like, I remember speaking to one of my friend, Lofer, she's a midwife. She said, I hate my menses. Like, I, I made sure I had a hysterectomy because I just hated it. It's so disgusting. And I'm looking at her, my friend, I love her. She's a midwife and she hates it. And I said, that's why we exist, to make someone else not hate it, but to accept it as a part of life. Yes. Oh, my goodness. There's so much here to... <laughs> to kind of unpack um when I started I started having my period when I was also 12 years old and I remember um this I think the second time that I had my period I felt ill I felt sick and so I was like oh my gosh ma and my mom was like you're not sick you're going to school (laughs) and so in my mind throughout my life, no matter how, how painful, how ill, you know, nausea, tired, fatigued, whatever it was that I felt around that time, in my mind, it was always that I am not sick, I'm going to go to work, I'm gonna, I'm gonna push through this, and I'm gonna do this. I did have to have a myomectomy right before my son. And due to the myomectomy, when I did get pregnant with my son, I had a full placenta previa so I also again did have to have a a c-section 
but you know, like I told you, there's so many things about my body that I had not realized until around that time, because it was never a conversation. It never seemed to need to be a conversation. It was like, oh, you have your period. Okay, great. You have your period here. You need to use these pads, you know, make sure that you stay clean, all these different things, but not the things that would help, like Dr. Azuma says, empower you to know your body, understand what's happening and take full control of it, right? And it surprises me to hear that someone would hate their menses so much at this, but at the same time, understand that it is actually part of the cycle of life, because if you're not having it, then, then, then that is, life is done like the 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 ability to bring forth life is is done and so i find it all very very interesting and all very wow right just wow and so now that you know all of this and you talk to girls and you have girls get mentored connected with mentors and you're taking this around um, to different cities what are you finding to be the most common, I don't know, questions or common feelings or common thoughts around the menses? I would say that um, there are a lot of girls who don't really understand why they get their period or wow. you know, what's happening physiologically in the body. Um, wow, really? And, and, and so it, it is a, a misconception. A lot of, from, from my experience, a lot of girls understand, you know, this is a coming of age thing. I'm going to get my period, but they don't really understand why or how it works and how everyone's body is different. And, and so there's a lot of um, self-esteem issues that arise when um, they're, you know, around their peers and not just in terms of menstruation, but puberty in general. So mm -hmm. they notice that they're developing faster than their friends or developing, you know, slower and, and may feel something is wrong with them and their bodies, um, not understanding um, the anatomy of the female body and, and how it develops. And so I think there's more work that needs to be done on, on basic anatomy and physiology, not just in regard to menstruation, but um, puberty and, and growth and development in general across the lifespan. Right. Do you think that the, the conversations are not being had because the society that we live in have connected menses to being not just a dirty thing, but a very sexual thing and we don't like to talk about sex and and sexual things supposedly do you think it's it's because of that or do you think it's why why is why are the conversations not being had basically is my question <laughs> I, I love that question because um that was going to be my response to your previous question and yes um we we find or after working in several states and working in different countries, we found that people are empowered when they know about the administration. Secondly, children or youth want to talk about the puberty and pubertal changes, but there's no one to talk to. Parents equate, like you said, um, the pubertal period 
or talking about it with sexual sexuality, and they're very careful, they're ashamed, they're afraid. It's not just parents, even churches. I mean, there are people um, that have a hard time welcoming our message in certain circles mm-hmm. because they assume that we're talking about sex. And we're like, no, it's not. Have you heard about it? I, I don't understand how reproduction is about sex or puberty is about sex like actually i'm not sure why puberty is about sex because it's not about sex it's almost akin to saying like if you talk about defecation and or and and feces you're talking about sex that's how i equate it because they're just two different stages or concept so yes um there's so much taboo and i think it's because of miseducation and misinformation puberty is not about sex puberty is changes important physiological changes happening in a child's life and we need to let them know we see you we get it it's normal we got to normalize it and we do yeah and i think that's why we have great impact report um from our students they're like yes we are ready i still remember how a student was so empowered that the day of her Manaki first circle she wore her t-shirt t-shirt love your menses t-shirt to school she was unequivocal she was unapologetic like mm-hmm. she didn't care you know she didn't have that shame mm-hmm. that some of us have because she's like it's it's normal you know and that's our goal to destigmatize um puberty manaki menstruation because at this point you know we're in this century and we should do better we should do better <laughs> Absolutely. We are in this century. We should do better. Uh, I think, um, yeah, I think, you know, the, the, the taboo of talking about men- the menstrual cycle, talking about puberty is so outdated. It's so puritanistic. It's, and it's also very patriarchal because men don't understand the menses. So to them, it's just one of those things that they have to be uh, afraid of or concerned about. And so I think that they push that in onto women, making women feel that they are dirty or they should be ashamed or not talk about it. And it's just come down through the years in that way. It's, it's, it's very odd to me, but I can understand how that works. My daughter is 10 years old. And when she was about eight years old, she came to me and she said, mommy, um, my breast hurt on this side. And I said, oh, really? And so I looked and I said, oh, wow. I said, I think, um, I think that your breasts are growing. I said, but you're a little young. So we'll talk to the doctor. You know, it wasn't a big deal. I said, you talk to your doctor about it. So we were very close to a time where she was going to go have an annual checkup. And so we went in and she asked, she asked the doctor, she said, oh, sometimes, you know, this, my breasts hurt on this side. And the doctor looked at it, female doctor, thankfully. And she said, oh, yes. She says, this is a pre-puberty. And so you're, that means you're going to be getting your breasts soon. And, but it will be like this for a little while. And then it will begin to, you know, to get bigger and, 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 My daughter was like, oh, okay. And so for me, and maybe it's because I know that I didn't have as much information. Like I didn't know when my body was changing and when my period came, I knew it was coming, like I said before, but I didn't know all the things. So now for me, I talk to her freely 
about all everything whatever comes up i just talk to her you know she'll say mommy you know my vagina is itchy okay let's take a look you know let's see what's happening you know it could be this it could be that it could be the other thing you know it's a normal natural thing let's just you know keep it top of mind because i find and and not just talking about menstruation right even when you start talking to people about body parts in the proper terms you know let's talk about your penis let's talk about your vagina let's talk about your just your body people get incredibly uncomfortable and i think that those things need to be normalized as well so i love that you're going and you're teaching young women about their bodies because it's so important and it's so necessary what do you see coming in the future you know what are what are some other ideas that you have going forward i know you have an app so that's kind of cool Yes, we have a menstrual wellness app called Our Flow, which is available for download on Android and Apple devices. And it was designed by uh, girls in our Flow Tech for Girls program, where they learned about menstrual health and technology and designed this mobile app. Um, and so our plan is to continue offering this program for girls. So that way they can not only learn about um, menstrual wellness, but also learn about technology and STEM and create uh, solutions that will help solve um, some of the problems that girls their age face. And, and so we're really building the next generation of femtech uh, leaders, uh, which Love is it. exciting. Um, I think as our society advances in regard to technology, uh, we have to, I strongly believe that um, Black and brown people need to be at the forefront in terms of designing technology solutions that will benefit our people mm -hmm. um, because we know our bodies and it's important for our voices um, and our experiences to be centered um, and it's important for us to lead. And, and so we're really encouraging girls to get excited about STEM mm -hmm. um, and learn about it and receive mentorship and create uh, solutions such as the Hourflow app. Love it. I love it. Dr. Azuma? Yes, um, to follow with that, I, I, the plan is to get more girls to be like the next Bria Gatson. We want more leaders more people that are focused on empowerment and making change in our community. Mm -hmm. Our data in terms of the number of doctors, public health experts, teachers, are low. So yes. we still have work to do in terms of civil rights and equity. So our goal is, Bria and, and I, our goal is to work in the educational sector um, versus you know, doing the matches so that we can encourage more youth to do better. They need to see examples, they need, we need to go to their community and show them that yes, they can and to empower them. So that's key. Secondly, like Bria said, technology and STEM, we really want representation in the artificial intelligence community so that there won't be inbuilt biases in all of those coding. They need diversity so that it could be fair and equitable. We won't, you know, we, we see some black people can't get a job because of AI, right? So mm -hmm. we need code that equitable and fair. Second or thirdly, 
intercultural enrichment. We have tried to team our black and brown girls in Boston with our girls in Liberia, our, our students in Maryland with our girls in Nigeria, because we believe that when we connect black and brown people internationally, these girls would know like, wow, you know, yes, in America, I might not be represented, but in other countries, that's all we are. We are all black people striving to do great things. So our goal is to continue to do the cultural exchange. Hopefully, we can have a trip to a country in Africa once this COVID period is contained. Mm -hmm. um, lastly, we want to focus on disaster relief. Um, our team in Haiti, they are suffering. So we are raising funds right now and partnering with different um, NGOs to help bring menstrual hygiene during times of disaster because I think people forget about it, but women, like Bria would say, still menstruate despite um, disasters. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Dr. Azuma. Absolutely, and that's something that we tend to forget. We forget that women and girls and those who menstruate menstruate whenever the time it comes. It doesn't stop because there's a disaster. It doesn't stop because you're homeless. It doesn't stop because it doesn't stop for any reason. And so it's so important that people kind of try to understand those needs. And those needs are pertinent anywhere, especially places where there have been disasters and um, there, there needs to be access, not to just food and water, but also to menstrual, you know, sanitary products and, and that sort of thing. I saw an article and it's just kind of come up into my mind and I thought, oh, this is perfect. I can ask you. The article was about how some companies, or maybe it was one company, but one company is considering giving women menstrual health days. And a woman posted the article and she says, this made me really mad because I've been trying to, I've been trying to, to prove my, my equality, you know, and this was in, in tech is what she said, my equality in tech. And now here comes this thing that, that is that to say that I can't work during that time. I don't think it, sh it should say that I can't work during that time. And I said, and I commented and I said, well, you know, my menstruation has changed different times of my life. But when I was younger, not only was it extra heavy, but I was nauseous and I had no energy. So literally, as Bria said, I would lose a day and a half out of my month every month because I was not well. And so... What are your thoughts in terms of companies offering menstrual health days or days where people can take off because they are on their, on their period and it may be affecting them differently than it affects other people? Yeah, I actually wrote an article about this um, on Medium called Paid Menstrual Leave Needs to be Implemented. Awesome. <laughs> here's why. Um, and I... I uh, Barry will tell you, so I've gotten a lot of a pushback when I posted it in a Facebook group. Um, <laughs> and, and it was interesting because you had people on one side who definitely agreed that, you know, this needs to be a thing because not only does uh, may a person have dysmenorrhea, but fibroids, polycystic ovarian syndrome, right. there are many reproductive health illnesses that are, are chronic 
um, mm-hmm. and that affect our bodies. Mm-hmm. And um, I honestly do think um, it can be debilitating and, and maybe disabling for a mm-hmm. lot of people. When I'm on my period, I am partially disabled. I, mm-hmm. I can't drive, you know, I, I could barely walk sometimes, especially with lower back pain. And so I think there needs to be more education and awareness about, you know, what exactly we are experiencing when, um, we're, we're, when we're in pain and also having people understand that when you're in pain and you simply cannot just take a pill and the pain will magically disappear. Go away. That does not always happen. And I I think, you know, there needs to be more education and conversation so people can actually hear stories from those um, most affected by this. Um, And I think that will be a step in the right direction in terms of workplaces and schools, understanding that there are people who may need accommodations, just as when you're taking a test. And um, there are students who need accommodations for that for a valid reason. And you don't have other students saying, well, that's not fair. Or, you know, because this student is getting accommodations, now that lowers our scholarly, uh, our, you know, our intellect ability. It has nothing to do with that. Um, And similarly, as women, um, you know, still able to do whatever it is that we want to do, um, however, we do deserve, you know, to take time off if we are experiencing any illness, and that does not take away from our capability or our competency um, to do this work. In fact, I always say women who are able to work and be on their periods are amazing <laughs> and are, um, excuse my language, but badass women, because if you're on your period, and you're working, especially those like a Barry who's a doctor, I can only imagine right. you're taking care of other people when you're on your period. <laughs> exactly. I think so too. And you know, the other thing that I thought that, that that came to mind as well when I was reading that or when I was reading this person's reaction to this article, I don't believe it was your article, <laughs> although I really wish it were. But when I was listening, thinking about her reaction to the article, I thought to myself, well, you know what? You know what the problem is? The problem is that workspaces have always been catered to men. And therefore, men do not, you know, men do not have the same needs as as women or those who menstruate, right? And so maybe it's time for the workplace to catch up with that in terms of let's catch up with the idea that, okay, so now you have you have women, you have people who menstruate in the workforce. So you need to make this space equitable for them, right? Uh, Instead of uh, pushing back and saying, oh, no, 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 we don't need any special accommodations. Imagine if people who are in wheelchairs said, oh, no, 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 don't worry about us. We'll find a way to get up those stairs, even if you don't have an elevator or whatever. You know what I mean? It's, It's kind of the same thing. Wow. I think you took the words out of my mouth. I, I like you just gave great, a great example of equity. And um, your analogy was someone in a wheelchair trying to get to a room versus someone that doesn't have that disability. Equity would be giving that person the wheelchair, um, an elevator 
to get there versus making them suffer. So I would say to that lady, we're not striving for equality, we're striving for equity, fairness okay. for everyone, not just people that don't need it. And I'm very, very sure she can opt out. You know, you, because you don't need it doesn't mean that we shouldn't have it. Um, like Bria said, there are some women that use all their sick leaves because of their menstruation. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's unfair. It's unfair to them to say, oh, we don't need it because 90% of women are fine during their menses. If employers now understand that they need to do better to um, allow femininity into their workspace and they want to do this, so be it. Good job, like you said. Thank you for catching up with the times where we don't focus on just the patriarchal um, society because our workforce is becoming diverse. In medicine especially, um, the, the medical students are becoming mostly females. You know, so you can't, you can't just now focus on just men, but we're going to focus on everyone. Thirdly, um, I think women should strive to be sisters keepers, right? Like we should care yes. for our other sisters. Um, like between me and Bria, thank the Lord, my dysmenorrhea is mild. I take Motrin and I'm fine. But I see Bria suffer, you know, and we should care. And I would be happy if Jobs recognize it and give her an extra day because she needs it. She needs to catch up. We need to be equitable. And that's why we talk about inclusivity and diversity. And that's one way of being diverse by accommodating women with dysmenorrhea. Absolutely. I, I fully agree with you. You know, I, I try to explain the concept of equity all the time because I think people don't understand that. I think that they, that they feel like, well, it's giving preferential treatment. And so, you know, I often use the wheelchair analogy because that's not preferential. That's just basic, basic. This person can do the job as well as someone who has legs that can move up the stairs. Um, so why shouldn't they get their job? Because they have a wheelchair. It's, it's simple understanding, which is the same as if a woman needs that time during the month to I mean, it's not like she's going to go hang out at the beach or have a, <laughs> she's not having parties. <laughs> you know what I mean? She's not, she's not taking those days because she wants to. She's taking those days because she needs to take care of herself. And so I think that it's important to talk about that. The other thing that you brought up and which is really very important is to, in, is the concept of the sick days. Now imagine you're a mother who has a child and who also has a very um, heavy, painful, you know, crippling period. You're now you, you have to choose whether you're going to use those sick days for yourself or your child. And so you think to yourself, you know what, I would rather use them for my child when my child is sick so that I can stay home with my child and I don't have to send my child off anywhere else when they are sick. But now you have put yourself in a position and you have been forced to put yourself in a position because you only have this many sick days to use. And because you're using them for your child, even if your child's not sick, you're using them for doctor's appointments or dentist appointments or orthodontist appointments or whatever appointments you need to do with your child. So you can't even take care of yourself 
you can't stop on those days where you really absolutely feel like you need to stop instead of running to the bathroom at work every hour or so to throw up or to, you know, make sure that you're, you're, you're cleaned up. I mean, I remember every time I stood up, I was going straight to the bathroom to make sure that I wasn't bleeding out of my clothes. And then I would go wherever it was that I needed to go. So, you know, I think it's important for people to understand you say, well, you have sick days. Well, you've got sick days, sick days do not cover it. So it's really important that I think that it's important that this, the menses days are also given. And like Dr. Azuma says, we need to be our sister's keepers. Women should not be the ones holding this back. Men don't understand. They don't even have a period, so they don't even get it. But other women and other people who menstruate really should be pushing this because whether they have a bad period or not, they have the period and they know that it may be necessary for someone else. Exactly. 100%. You took the words <laughs> right out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we, we've, we've been talking for a while. So I want to open it up to you. Is there anything in particular, anything extra that you would like to bring forth in this conversation that we probably haven't touched on because, um, uh, oh, I remember Dr. Azuma um, said that this also, uh, COVID affected what you've been doing. Um, and I imagine that it would. So how did COVID affect it and how did you overcome the, the walls? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say that, um, you know, when the pandemic first started, we didn't realize how many people experienced period poverty, um, mm -hmm. meaning having lack of access to products. And so um, we started distributing uh, period care packages in Boston, um, and other cities across um, the country, as well as globally, just making sure people had access to the menstrual products that they needed. Uh, we were only distributing them to individuals and families, and then organizations started reaching out, such as shelters and schools and health centers. And it, it really opened our eyes um, to just the lack of products that are easily accessible um, to people right. in the community and how, you know, it's easy for someone to say, well, you can just go to Target or Walgreens and, and purchase products, but um, they, they are costly when you mm -hmm. add them up. If you're paying eight to $10 um, a month on products or even more, if you have a heavy flow, um, you know, that's over a hundred plus dollars a, a year just on disposable products. And for some, in, in some states, there's still a tax on um, menstrual products. It's called a pink tax. Pink tax, yeah. Um, and, and, and so, you know, it can be a financial burden on households. And, and unfortunately, the products that are, you know, less expensive tend to be and not always the case, but tend to have more harsh chemicals that are right. not safe for our reproductive health. And, and so Barry and I made a conscious effort to distribute 100% organic cotton products mm -hmm. um, because we believe and that our community deserves the best quality mm -hmm. um, products. And, and when we think about charity, you know, we're not 
you know, just going to give people just anything for the sake of increasing our impact numbers, but we're really giving something that is high quality that we would use ourselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how is it that someone can help support the work that you do? They can, you can go on our, our website and you can make a monetary donation, um, which would go towards the purchase of products. We've also had people uh, donate products. So like, um, menstrual companies will donate products in kind or individuals will host a menstrual product drive and gather products and then ship it to us or we will pick it up if they're local in the Boston or the DMV area. And and so we encourage people to support us any way that they can, Mm -hmm. um, whether it's physically supporting by dropping off products or helping us distribute products in the community or donating uh, monetarily, as well as just sharing, you know, the work that we do with other people in their network. Awesome. Well, I will definitely have a link to your website in the show notes because, you know, I'm, I'm sure people are going to want to help. Uh, and what about you, Dr. Azuma? Is there anything that uh, we haven't spoken about that you would like to bring out right now? I mean, you guys touched on everything again, like Rhea said, thank you for having us in your, on your show. And uh, we wish to come back again. And thank you to all your listeners for contributing. The need is great. Um, and any financial support goes to the clients, um, Rhea and myself, on us. And um, we keep track of all the money spent. It's a public um, information. But we really, really are um, grass, a grassroots organization that truly have a big heart for our community. Another thing to add to that is please download our app, um, our flow. We have five stars so far because it, it's great. Um, like Bria said, the app was influenced by um, the youth. So it's very youth friendly. Um, we have a community within um, the app that people can, you know, ask questions or exchange ideas amongst their peers. Um, we hope to um, end period poverty by working with legislatures to create uh, more um, period-friendly public places. And wherever there's um, toilet paper, um, there should be a free tampon or pad. Um, because I mean, why is it there's free toilet paper but not periods and pad when it's also a physiological um, um, state. So, yeah, so that's what we're doing. And please follow us on social media. Um, let us know how we are encouraging you. Lastly, I don't know if Rhea has that. We um, co-authored a book, Maya Lens of Menstruation. The book was very intentional and strategic. We have Maya representing Black girls because we still think the American media space has um, to make room for us. There's few representation of who we are in a positive light. There are many Brias, and we want to develop more Bria. <laughs> awesome. Uh, what is the title of the book again, Bria? Maya Learns About Menstruation. Ah, Maya Learns. And, and if you, you can even, it's on Amazon as well. So you can search Maya Learns About Menstruation. And um, I believe a very people can still purchase it through Amazon, correct? Yes. Yes, ma'am. Good. Then I will put that link in the show notes as well. That's great. I, I, I love that. Maya Learns About Menstruation. Perfect. Well, thank you, ladies, both of you for being here. Thank you for the work that you're doing with our young women. 
Um, and those who menstruate, thank you so much for sharing the information and for, you know, allowing people to become empowered. But before I let you go, I have to ask you my signature question because I'm sure the audience just is dying to know. <laughs> and that is, I'm going to start with you, Bria. What is your favorite dish? Uh, my favorite dish. Oh my gosh, that's a great question. <laughs> Shrimp and grits. Um, my family is from uh, South Carolina, and, and so I have a lot of Southern roots, and I can eat grits with just about anything, whether it's shrimp, salmon, uh, liver, whatever it is, I okay. love it. Um, I, I am a Southern girl at heart and by blood, and, and I try to keep up with my family's Southern traditions while also making sure that um, they're healthy options. And so I'll have collard greens, but I'll cut back on the amount of salt that my grandmother <laughs> puts in the pot. So <laughs> I just love Southern food, Southern cuisine. Um, and sometimes I envy those living in the South because <laughs> the food is just so good. <laughs> I love it. I love grits too. And that uh, grits and grits sounds super yummy. And what about you, Dr. Azuma? Well, I thought Bria was going to say jollof rice. Oh, yeah. You didn't say jollof rice. <laughs> That's good, too. <laughs> I love jollof. Wait, wait, wait. Which is it? Is it a Ghanaian or Nigerian? Oh, I can't, I can't say that in public. <laughs> okay, I can't say that in public. I'm going to just keep my, the, the voice too much. I am trying to use uh, a support system and not cause division. So I'll be the fifth right here. But maybe I can hand it over to Bria. Bria, what type of rice? What kind of jello rice, Bria? I love it. That's so funny. My, I have a friend, uh, my my college roommate was from Ghana. And so she would make jello from Ghana. So I've had jello from Ghana. And Nigerians are like, well, you need to try Nigerian jello before you make up your mind about anything. I'm like, okay, I will do that. <laughs> Well, you know, the other day I was in a Trader Joe's and they have a jollof rice in Trader Joe's and all of my friends are like, how can you eat that? I'm like, but it's just, it's just, and it was, it wasn't that bad. I mean, it didn't taste like <laughs> the jollof rice I'm used to eating, but it was not bad. Okay. <laughs> nice. Well, thank you, ladies, both of you again for being here. I sincerely appreciate it. And I look forward to uh, working with you, hopefully in the future, to continue the work that you're doing. Thank you so much for having us. And thank you for reaching out. Um, we will definitely be sharing your platform. And um, welcome you into the Love Your Mentors family. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yes. yes, welcome, welcome. Thank you, Bria, for that. Thank you. Hey, did you enjoy that episode? If so, please leave a review. It would mean the world, but only if it's a good one and you really did enjoy it. In which case, it would be awesome if you help support my work over at patreon.com backslash Cedrola Maruska. And finally, before you go, don't forget diversitydish.com. I'd love to work with you. See you soon.